0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Dalvin Cook is now in the NFL. He's back. He's back in the NFL with a team. Ezekiel Elliott, he's back in the NFL with a team. But their contracts don't really match up. Is there something that we don't know about Dalvin's contract that maybe looks a little bit more like Zeke's, but everybody's trying to talk it up like it's a bigger deal than it is? And we also sit down with Greg Coleman. He's going to tell us some stories about Bud Grant that you have not heard before and you're going to want to hear. But also, he's a little pissed off about special teams and the changes the NFL continues to make. We'll do that next on the Ron Johnson Show.
2: Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now, the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now.
1: Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Looking forward to today's show because we have Greg Coleman joining me in the Hang On Ron Johnson segment. Uh, Viking great, one of the first black punters in the NFL. But more importantly, Buck Grant passed away this year and and, and the the team is going to honor Bud throughout the year. Today is Greg Coleman's golf tournament and they are doing something special. A one of 12. There are 12 of these. Uh, they're going to auction it off. So if you want to get a, be a part of this auction to get this Bud Grant limited edition, it's like a jersey and something else he signed. But you can go on YMCA dot org or you can Google the Greg Coleman golf tournament and it'll take you to the YMCA site as well. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a link. There you can see the auction live as the golf tournament goes on. We're going to golf in about an hour or so. It's going to go on to about 5 o'clock. You're going to have John Randall, Randall McDaniel, some great guys out there. But I got a chance to sit down with Greg Coleman, and I'm excited to to let you guys hear that one coming up in the Hanging Around Johnson segment. But I want you guys to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to get started today. It's going to make every moment more, people. And football is getting closer and closer and closer. So you want to make sure you get down on some of these early parlays. Like I said, Deniel Hunter, 10 plus sacks over under, jump on it. It's going to be, it's going to make every defensive snap more important to you. Every time Daniel gets a sack and he cuts the door down, it's going to make you a little bit more excited because the money's coming your way. But as I bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, got to get started in this because today is a, today is one of those days. Like I went to sleep and I'm like, today is a day. Today's the day. That's a song from a show that I know Sam's never watched. I have to see the clip, though. It's a hilarious clip Mm -hmm. uh, of this guy on a movie. It was was Eve the Rapper. She had a TV show way back when, which you probably don't remember. Uh, It was a couple years ago, years and years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, there was a guy that was singing a song, and it was called Today's the Day. And it was, like, this nice, uplifting song. And then he sold his rights, you know, to to a rapper. And the rapper turned it into, like, a song for political uh, whatever. Like, he was talking about, like taking out the uh like taking guns to the streets and taking their streets back and blah blah the dude's like every time he starts rapping the singer gets like scared like song's supposed to be nice and uplifting and then like super funny though because he he did not know that's the direction the guy was gonna go with the song that today is the day because it was supposed to be like a nice uplifting song so that, that was in my head today's the day today's the day to talk about running back sam dalvin cook is now a new york jet and i said this on june 23rd i also said this on a pat mcafee show And, of course, I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Ian Rappaport. So nobody really – I had one like on that tweet, Sam. I had one like when I said, Dalvin Cook to the Jets is the best marriage I think out there in the NFL. Yep, Nobody nobody liked it. Nobody – like, I had one like. Nobody retweeted it. Wasn't a big deal. Nobody thought it could happen. Yeah, right. Dalvin Cook should go there. This is not going to work. They already have Brees Hall. They got Aaron Rodgers. They can't afford Dalvin Cook. I said, Dalvin Cook is the best fit. Nobody – then all of a sudden, Tyler Conklin. So look at the timeline. Tyler Conklin goes on Good Morning Football and pitches to Dalvin Cook. So then everybody's like, wait a minute. This Dalvin Cook to Jets might be for real. I heard Ron Johnson on the Pat McAfee show, but I don't believe him. He's he's just a Vikings guy. He loves the Vikings. But then Conklin does it. Then Pat McAfee does it. Then Dalvin Cook tweets it. Then he shows up to... to J- hey, I said this back in June. I said Dalvin Cook to the Jets was the best marriage possible. Aaron Rodgers... And Dalvin Cook, former foes, Packers, Vikings, are now teammates. Brees Hall coming off an ACL. Why not go get you a healthy back that you know week one is going to give you everything that you need in case Brees Hall is not 100% ready to go? They now have that in Dalvin Cook. They now have receivers that are ridiculously good. You have Alan Lazard. You got Garrett Wilson. You got Aaron Rodgers, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You got a decent offensive line, but better yet, you have Sauce Gardner, and you have that defense with Quinnen Williams that is one of the best defenses in the NFL as far as talent on paper, paper champions, it's there in New York. Huge market, though. Hard knocks is there. So now Dalvin Cook might even, I mean, so there might be some hard knocks episodes of Dalvin Cook Yeah, that maybe they were keeping under wraps and was already ready to go. Like Dalvin probably saying, I want to be a Jet. Dalvin probably saying, I'm ready to sign. Maybe they did sign him and they were just going back and forth on the money because clearly up to $8.6 million was the key. Yeah. It's not 8.6 million. But 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 Zeke, as you pointed out, how much did he sign for, Sam? So I'm seeing
2: 3 million base salary mm-hmm. and incentives up to 6. Mm. That's what I'm seeing on Zeke. So, so max Dalvin, 6. Yeah, max 6. So, Dalvin's got a lot more potential money, but again, what are those incentives? Is it 1500 yards is it a thousand yards is it you know winning a playoff game is it 10 touchdowns we don't know what that is but i'm guessing the base run is probably in that five range
1: that's just a guess so here's my here's where i go with this sam if it is in the five range because zeke's is three and six bonuses five range maybe six up to 8.6 which means you're right 1500 yards maybe 15 touchdowns, or something like that, or 10 touchdowns, or uh, you know, first round playoff win, second round playoff win that always is in there. There is a super bowl in there, I'm pretty sure. So that he's not going to get that, so he's not going to get the 8.6. I'm pretty because I know so maybe and maybe they didn't do this because he's a running back, but I know quarterbacks that's always in there as an incentive win first round, win second round, win divisional round, or sorry, uh, yeah, divisional round, conference, and then win the super bowl. Like they always throw all that kind of stuff in there, win your division. Uh, win the divisional round playoffs, win the conference championship, and then you won a Super Bowl. Here's all your escalators. If they did do that to Dalvin Cook, they won. Because if they win a Super Bowl, great. Here's the money. We won a Super Bowl. We're New York. We are about to have all the sponsors come after us because we are better than the Giants. The Giants were always New York's team. The Jets are in like Jersey anyway. They were never New York's team. But if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl, He's all over New York. New York will be painted green. It will be painted green. The Giants will be an afterthought. Daniel Jones will be a stepchild, which he probably already is. Hmm. And it will be green. But Dalvin Cook, the Jets won because they're like, look, we got you to win the Super Bowl. You won the Super Bowl. We'll pay you this money. Here's your $8.6 million. But if they don't, maybe it looks like seven. So then my answer is, or my question, Sam, if the Vikings, and this is a Boomer Esiason rumor, because I've been tweeting this and people are like, where did you hear that? Boomer Esiason said this, that they, the Vikings offered him $7 million. I have a thought about that, though. Was this his agent leaking that? Because we know he's very sneaky with how he words stuff. He's very sneaky. Him and Dalvin have been throwing subliminal bombs out on Twitter all the time. Here's tweets. Here's this. So did he leak that? And it wasn't really true because the Vikings can't confirm. They can't come back and say, no, we didn't offer him seven, man. He's lying. Just to for other teams to know, if you want my guy, you got to come up with a package better than seven because we didn't take seven from the Vikings. So you got to come up with a package better than seven. If he did that and it worked out, more power to him. Great job because you did your job. You got exactly what Dalvin Cook wanted was more than seven. But if it was a base, like you're saying, a five or six, and he doesn't hit any of those, like Brees Hall kills it and it's a running back by committee. Dalvin Cook's the third down back catch and swing. And this is the thing, Dalvin Cook was never really a true third down back anyway. So that's the one thing that's perplexing to me is he's he's a one-two back. Third down was never his thing because he he doesn't not say he can't block, but it was always it was always like Alexander Madison would come in for some of those passing uh plays where he would be the blocking back or CJ Ham. So that to me as well, like, but, but maybe they're not a running team on third down anyway. Maybe if they're a passing team on third down, Dalvin Cook is actually in the route tree. But it'll be very interesting if he doesn't hit that much. Like, Once these numbers come out and he doesn't hit that number and, and it is actually lower than seven, and again, maybe the Vikings only offered him five with incentives up to seven. Maybe that was the deal. And maybe the Jets say, okay, we'll give you five, but our incentives will take you to 8.6. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? But for Zeke to be offered three, Max six. One, when I was saying Dalvin Cook was better than Zeke, there's the proof in the pudding. People were like, uh, maybe. "Proof is the pudding." I said that before. Yeah. When when I was ranking running backs, I said Dalvin's better. I said that when I all the free agents came out. Remember, we had the show. You can go back. People can go back and watch the show. I don't just make stuff up. When you when we did the show and you asked me about running backs on the in the on the deal, I said I thought Dalvin was the best option out there, regardless. I said, he's better than Zeke to me. He's better than Kareem Hunt to me. He's better than um, whoever. I forgot whoever else was out there. Uh, but he's better than all of them to me. I said, yep. Jonathan Taylor is a different type of back. But I would even take Dalvin over Josh Jacobs only for the simple fact of it depends on, and I said this, I said it depends on what team he goes to. The Jets are not going to run the ball like Josh Jacobs can do. Uh, the Vikings aren't going to run the ball, even though they say they want to, like Josh Jacobs can do. They want somebody who's versatile, and that's why they kept, I mean, Clearly, keeping Alexander Madison showed how versatile this offense is going to be. But Sam, when you look at now Dalvin Cook signing for that, you look at Zeke signing for that, these rest of these running backs now are really like, I don't know what that Zoom call was about, but I don't feel like it was about what's going on. Like, these guys are taking deals. They're all saying 10, 11, 12 million. They're not getting that. Saquon got it, and that's less than the rookie, Bijan Robinson. He's getting 13 this year. So... I don't know what was on that Zoom call because John the Taylor is still the only one really going. Him, I think him and Josh Jacobs are going still going strong, holding out. But I, I don't really, Zach Martin, Cowboys guard, he just got to up. His deal was supposed to be 13 and a half and 14 the next two seasons. It's now yeah. 18 over the next two seasons. So he got his money. He's okay with it. He's like, Look, I don't want 30, I don't want 50, but I don't want what it was 13, 40, 27. So they said, let's meet in the middle, man, 40. How about 36 to 40? 36 million. Here you go. Two years guaranteed, 18 and 18. Is that good enough? Sure, I'll come play. So that's what I always wonder, man, when I when I see these contracts and see these things. like I, This Dalvin Cook thing, it's going to have to be a season-long playout. We're going to have to see it play out to see what happens with this value. But I don't know. In your mind now, do you think the running back market is kind of now set at five to six million, where it's like running backs, you can no longer ask for – 10 to 20 a year or 10 to whatever, 12 a year. Right. You're kind of set at five to six now because of what these top guys are doing.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think the precedence that that has been set is that after that rookie contract and maybe a franchise tag, every single year after that is going to be a battle. Right. You're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get a, a one year contract. And then after this season, Zeke and cook and hunt they're gonna have to do it all again. They're, they're gonna have to be back on the market trying to find a new team, and it's mm. gonna happen year after year. It's like no one wants to give the multi-year deal right. unless you're someone like Alexander Madison. You know, I think he signed for two two years, eight million, um, and he had you know had some tread left on the tires. He hadn't been too worn down uh, on his previous contract. It, it's gonna be a struggle year in and year out because the the second contract to the running backs, the the big four year. million deal. That's a thing of the past, I think. I think that it it may have dried up and yeah, it's going to be an annual struggle and we might be going through this next year at this time wondering is Dalvin Cook going to sign with anybody because it might not be the Jets next year. It might be somebody totally different depending on again how he does this year. If he looks really good maybe there's more demand and if Brees Hall outshines him yeah, again, uh, he might be struggling to find a team.
1: Yeah, well, I'm excited to get to Greg Coleman and the Hanging Around Johnson segment, but, but we have to. We have to pay some bills. We have a word from our sponsors.
2: Yeah, let's talk about FanDuel Sportsbook and the awesome new promotion they have going on there. Do uh, you like the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions? They're plus 600 to win the Super Bowl again. Well, maybe you put that bet down on the Chiefs' Super Bowl future. Well, every time the Chiefs win this year... You're going to get bonus bets in return. That applies to the Bills. It applies to the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Texans. You place a Super Bowl future bet. You get bonus bets every time that team wins along the way during the season. And you can put those bonus bets on anything. Spreads, player props, over-unders. Myriad ways to wager at FanDuel. America's number one sports book. So go to the website, fanduel.com slash locked on. Get started with this promotion or other great promotions at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on the FanDuel Sportsbook app works as well. Safe, secure,
3: easy to use FanDuel. Make every moment more. This locked on podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Well, now it's time for the hang of Ron Johnson segment. And this is a fun one for me. I love when I get a chance to sit down with Greg Coleman, just because uh, I look back to pictures from like 2013, 2014, uh, at the Metrodome, 2012-11, and Greg Coleman, uh, every time I got a chance to come to the game, um, I met a group, Highline Construction the group. They are golfers in Greg's events. Uh, I actually did a Vikings event and met them the first time, but then I golfed with them with Greg Coleman as well. And uh, these guys have been an integral part of uh, just me being a part of golf, and then Greg Coleman has been a big part of uh, my growth, uh, the things I've been through. But then just another father. You know, my father passed away. It's always nice to have uh, a men uh like greg tony dungy mel blunt guys that i can just send a message to every once in a while they're they're letting me know that i'm doing something right uh and and somebody that i can see as a father so with no further ado let me get greg coleman in here into the hang around johnson segment uh you know i i i learned greg early uh as i started to see more more guys you know in the nfl uh young guys pass away man to make sure that i always uh give guys their flowers man so i I, i'm I mean, you're a great punter. We know that. First black punter. That's, that's some black history stuff, man, and nobody can ever take away. Uh, but you're a father, man. You're a great father. And now you're a grandpa. Is it Pawpaw? Or what, what is it?
0: It's Big Papa.
1: Big Papa. <laughs> you know, you're a grandpa as well. And so just watching you as a grandpa, as a father, seeing Greg Jr., uh, you know, when I get a chance to golf with him and then your daughter, uh, I could just see the love and, and how much they love Uh, being around you. So I take that into every day when I get a chance to be with my kids. Uh, I I try to spend every waking moment. Like people always wonder like, man, how come you don't go out? How come you don't, you don't come to the, the...?" I'm like, man, look, I got three, four jobs. I got two (laughs) kids and a wife. Like I don't have free time and I'm fine with it. Like my wife knows that. Like I'm a homebody. I don't mind being at home, but I will say, man, yourself, uh, Tony Dungy, Mel Blunt, man, you guys have been uh, great father figures uh in the absence of my dad when he passed away but just also just watching you guys operate so i wanted to give you your flowers man if if, if if nobody can ever say i didn't say it it's on tape i put it out there man you're a great guy but speaking of another man you know like in 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 the nfl as i i've been a part of your events i've been a part of the nfl golf events for years I the mean years now uh like i said dating back to 2012 i'm starting to feel it's almost like year 10 11 for us but when I first started golfing with you guys, man, it was all about fun and celebration and this. And then the last like two years has been celebration of life, like comments and and, and mem- remembering guys that passed away the year before. Uh, and now you add another one in Buck Grant. Uh, you you told so many Buck Grant stories, man. But when he when he passed away, like what's what's one thing uh, you want everybody or wanted everybody to remember about Buck Grant?
0: Man, from a football perspective, uh, Bud would never get beat on technicalities or, or not being prepared in terms of preparation. Um, you've heard the saying, Ron: "When the test is given, mm-hmm. the teacher is quiet." And and Bud would prepare us during the course of the week with everything imaginable. Uh, we had a list called "What It Takes to Win," and we would go down that list and talked about what it was going to take on offense, defense, special teams. Jerry Dur- Jerry Burns picked up that same mantra and used it during his tenure as head coach of the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Bud always reminded me of is he said, "Touch this is a business. And he said, if you need any more reminder, is when we move from Old Met Stadium to the Metrodome, and, and then the next phase two, was the building of winter park. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to share a story that a lot of people may find crazy because this was the NFL back before we had a facility during the winter months, when the TARP was on the field at old metropolitan stadium, Mm -hmm. we would get on a bus and drive around the city and try to find a park that didn't have a whole heck of a lot of snow. Wow! And we would take shovels and brooms and sweep <laughs> off part of that field to practice. Wow! And then we would get back on the bus, come back to Old Midway Stadium because that's where the locker rooms were and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then we would go home. Wow! And we built Winter Park because practices were very short. Yeah. I was out of practice maybe about two thirty, three o'clock during the course of the week, and that included heavy days. Uh, Uh, goal line, all of those things. I'd be done by three o'clock. And when we built Winter Park, we're standing out and he told me, he said, touch. He said, football, as we knew, has changed forever. I said, what do you mean, bud? He said, you know, the early practices that we had and all of those things. He said, well, those are things of the past. I said, why? He said, you see this million-dollar facility that they just built? And this was back in 1982, 83, somewhere when, when Winter Park was built. He said, all of these executives, Mike Lynn included, they're going to want to see somebody in these buildings, somebody using the weight rooms, and all of those other things. And he was in line. And I saw the game shift to more of a streamlined business. hmm and that stuck with me more than anything else. And he would always say, touch, handle your business. Handle your business. You see, I can get anybody to come out and put on a helmet and a jersey to play football. We're not paid to play football. We're paid to win. And when we don't win, changes will come. Man, we had so many private and personal conversations, Ron, some that will take both of us to our graves. But Bud was Bud was Bud. He, too, treasured his time with family. Mm -hmm. He, too, treasured his time with getting away from the game. You see, sometimes you just got to get away from it. That's why he enjoyed hunting and fishing Mm -hmm. and all of those things. He was never a golfer. And, you know, I don't know. He played cribbage, him and Zamberlady and all of those things. But. I could look at him and all of the things that he had going on. He always made time for his kids. And I too, uh, my family made unbelievable sacrifices. Mm -hmm. My kids had to share me with other kids. And now that we're adults, we come back full circle and we have conversation about that. So now that's why in this last part of the journey, I'm going to spend as much time as I possibly can. I know I could still be doing the broadcast and all of Mm -hmm. those things, but Elder and I were talking and God has given us some remarkable journey. We've got some unbelievable journey behind us, Mm -hmm. but we wanted to make sure that the journey that's in front of us, that we did it at our pace. We danced to our own music and we danced to our own drummers. And that's why we dropped the mic on the broadcast, uh, sold everything in Minnesota, moved back to Jacksonville, so that we can nurture family. My mom, uh, my brother, we lost my mom a couple of years ago. Um, but man, it's, it's, it's what you, it's what you do. That's what family is. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I applaud you for spending as much time as, as you do with your family. See, you can't get those hours back. Right. You Not get that time back. So I applaud you as a young father uh, and and a young family man to treasure those times, man, because um, when they're gone, they are gone. And before you know it, those girls are going to be out of the house with their own families, Mm -hmm. uh, living their own lives. And you just hope and pray that they allow you to be a part of it because that's no guarantee. But man, we, we are so blessed. Uh, But I know Shawnee's going to make sure that that doesn't happen. (laughs) I know that ain't going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, because, you know, we deal with with her parents and my mom. And so, yeah, you know, we we are big on – like I noticed that too at my age. uh, You know, we try to do a yearly trip, you know, with our family. My daughter just went to Colorado and played in a big-time softball tournament. Um, You know, she was recently – kind of listed as an All-American for next Ooh. season for for 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds. So uh, I know we're already kind of prepping family for that. Like if she makes this All-Star team or this All-American team or whatever and gets to travel to Oklahoma to play, uh, represent Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, I think is the Section 8 is what we're considered um or tier eight whatever it is down here in this area but you know all that stuff where, where where our family is like oh let us know when she's playing we want to come out and see so it's it's been fun but i I will say i've learned a lot uh from you guys and i know even like when my dad would come back for the for the rise with the guys that was the one thing you know like the stories about that and the mel blunt would talk about greg coleman you know as the punter and, and you know oh that coleman guy he's up there isn't he you know i i remember him as a you know so i i loved those stories like when i was younger i'm not gonna lie i tell i told mel blunt this because he was on the show a while back mm-hmm. and i was like when i was you know when i was 18 17 16 um i don't think I, I took it for granted not gonna lie i did and that's why i don't do that anymore uh and that's why i'm glad my daughter doesn't take it for granted that she gets to you know meet justin jefferson and stefan mm-hmm. diggs and adam Thielen, and she went to cj ham's house um and she appreciates it i don't think as a football player because i was already a kid and a football player i didn't appreciate that i told i told somebody else that, i'm like man i sat on the sideline of michigan versus Minnesota. Lynn Swan was the broadcaster for ABC. And I like just waved at him because he yelled out my nickname, which, you know, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it now. My nickname was Pookie. So I knew if somebody yelled out Pookie, they had to know me as a baby or a kid. And I'm like, I hear I hear somebody yelling out Pookie, but I'm in Michigan. So I'm thinking like, it's my family. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah i realized like into the game i'm like wait that's that's lynn swan so I, I do go over there and say what's up and he felt old he's like man i can't believe you're in college now and i remember you are born but i you know like interactions like that i don't think i ever like i didn't take advantage of that like i didn't try mm-hmm. to take a picture or sit mm-hmm. down and talk to lynn after yeah. the game you know i was just like hey we just played michigan all right i'm getting on the bus you know thank good you know good to see you again and like you know, but now I do. Now when I get to talk to Donnie Shell and, and Tony and, and yourself and Mel Blunt and, and Lynn, because he was at USC, um, you know, even Ray Anderson, who was the vice president of NFL, was at you know Arizona State. Like, I take those conversations now for what they are. Like, even you know, talking to uh Kraut Paul Paul, Paul Krause, because Paul Krauss, when he's on the sideline, he talks about my dad because they were both DBs and blah blah. Mm-hmm. And you know, he talks so. I love these conversations now. Like I got to talk to uh, Random McDaniel at training camp last week. You know,
0: even that. Like at the night. Let me interrupt you one one moment because you you just you just prick this the heartbeat of what this fraternity is about. I was in Canton last week uh, prior to coming to Minnesota Mm -hmm. uh, for the induction of Ken Riley, uh, who was one of my mentors, uh, one of my teachers. I had Ken Riley as a homeroom teacher. Uh, in high school for a couple of years prior to going to uh, the NFL. I was drafted by Cincinnati. I drove to training camp with Ken Riley and to, to see last week Tony and having conversation with Mel and Donnie and all of those guys up in Canton last week,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Ron, those memories are so valuable because sooner or later, you'll come to realize and understand that all we have are moments and memories. Mm -hmm. And that's at at a certain point in life, you understand that that's what we're making for our kids. That's what's going to be built on our legacy. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you early. I'm giving you your flowers too, bro, (laughs) you know, to take advantage of that. You're creating those memories and the legacy of the Johnson family, will it will live on forever because I know that you've shared some of these stories with your daughters, with your wife, and now they're beginning to understand because they are a part of legacy. So, man, you, you just hit a home run for me.
1: I well, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, one thing I want to I make sure I hit on, too, you talked about, you know, spending other time with other people's kids and doing all this stuff. You... Partnered with the YMCA, the UYMCA a long time ago uh, with the Greg Coleman Foundation, and now you have a golf tournament, you know, benefiting kids. Uh, it's up in Bunker Hills. When this airs tomorrow, uh, which will be Tuesday, we'll be on the course by the time it actually hits the presses. Um, I'll probably be 14 under by that time. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yes, you will, because of myself.
1: Yeah, my yeah. highline construction guys get the ball. I give them yes that. Like they, I, yes I put I put some drives out there for them, but they do have one guy that's a uh, I think he's a four handicap or five handicap. So he puts it close. So I, I know it at some point we'll be close. I don't know. You know, usually we're always 12, 13 under the NFL went about the same, and then we get some strokes.
0: Right, right. But
1: you spend a lot of time after sports. Like a lot of guys retire and they don't like I see Chad Greenway still do it. So I don't know if this is a Minnesota thing or what. Um But I don't see a lot of Detroit Lions, you know, still doing charity work. You see some, but not a lot. But you guys, man, in Minnesota, especially the Vikings, but yourself, you continued to grow your foundation. You continue to grow your golf event to benefit kids. Uh, Explain a little bit about, like, your heart and and why you continue to do that.
0: Well, I was a Y kid myself. Growing up down in Jacksonville, Florida, the, the Y is where I learned how to swim, where I learned the fundamentals of teamwork, where I understood sportsmanship, All of those things. So I'm a benefactor of the YMCA. Mm -hmm. So all I'm doing is try to give back just a little bit to young people in this community that if they can gain just half of what I gained Mm -hmm. uh, by being a Y kid, it will serve them for the rest of their lives. It's part of my core values. Uh, My dad told me three things. He said, son, if you take these with you, it'll serve you well. Just say, thank you, please. And how can I help you? And that's a fundamental universal core of what's kept me grounded Hmm. because we all are standing on the shoulders of somebody else, regardless of whether it's in sports, whether it's in business or broadcasting or whatever lot in life you choose, somebody else paved the way. And all I'm trying to do is pave the way for my kids and my grandkids and their grandkids because we all need help. And the services that the Y has provided in this community has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Ron, there were kids that started this program many, many years ago. Tomorrow, you know, this tournament will be our 24th year. Wow. And we now have young people who have gone through the programs of the Y who are now executives in the YMCA. So we have seen the fruits of our labor the investments that that the community is having. We have some great partners with TSR Injury Law, Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. uh, Delta Airlines, the Minnesota Vikings, Medica. The list goes on and on and on. Steve Terry, our our presenting sponsor at TSR Injury Law. Mm -hmm. Steve was a Y kid. People Mm -hmm. ask, Steve, why do you do this? He said, you know what? Had not been for the Y. And he'll tell you this himself there's no telling where I might be. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't be uh, have this amazing law practice here in the Twin Cities, uh, face on billboards all over the place. But his dad saw fit to get him in the Y. His dad was a supporter of, of the UI program as well. So, it, Ron, if you help somebody, somebody may not be in a position to help you, but they'll be in a position to help somebody else mm-hmm. who might be in a position to help you. So you never know where the favors God is where the favor of God is going to come full circle. So that's why we do what we do. Eleanor uh, grew up right down the street from that same YMCA on the north side of Jacksonville. So we we know, and she being an ed- educator,
1: mm-hmm.
0: know what it meant to give kids and young people the opportunity to succeed, whether it's on or off the field. Most kids who play sports, who go through the sports programs, they won't sniff an NFL career Mm. or any professional sports. But, man, can they be productive citizens in this community? Absolutely, and that's all we're trying to do.
1: Well, I want to ask you a question about your position. You play punter in the NFL. Uh, The direction of the NFL right now, uh, kick returners are in jeopardy because they're talking about now you can just fair catch these kickoffs and get it to the 25 like college football. Uh, so true kick returners are like Devin Hester made a comment about that. Like he's like, if it wasn't for, you know, being able to kick return, I wouldn't be in the NFL. Uh, Bernard Berrien came on the show, said the same thing. He's like, man, if I, you know, he said, I, w- I was a good receiver at Fresno State, but kick return made me a third round pick and the reason why the Chicago Bears wanted me, the reason why the Minnesota Vikings gave me money to come to Minnesota. Uh, and so a lot of guys who were true kick returners, uh, but also maybe that added value to their career is changing. Now you talk about the punt. Now they're saying some of these punts are dangerous. Some of this stuff is dangerous. Kickoffs are dangerous. Uh, What what are your thoughts on how the owner – and, again, this is going to take a ton of votes, a ton of stuff, time to change. But what do you think about owners trying to, like, make this on fourth down instead of punting? We're just going to give you a chance to throw a fourth. I forgot what the rule is. Sam knows it. But it's like I think you get, like, a fourth and 15 opportunity or something instead of onside kicking. And then punting now, they're talking about that too. Like, maybe you can do this and then – Ball moves to their 30. It's all these weird rules they're thinking about. But what are your thoughts on that as they try to say, like, well, maybe special teams, guys, instead of that, we have, an, you know, an additional receiver, another another running back. What are your thoughts on that?
0: With all due respect, most owners have never strapped up a helmet, have never, never put on a jersey, mm-hmm. and really don't understand the game. They understand the business side of football. Right. But the game itself – is shifting to a point where it's not going to be the game that we knew, the Mm -hmm. game that we played, the game that we grew up on. Yes, it is a dangerous game. We all take that risk and the responsibility. We know that. But the other side, there's nothing like football, Ron. There's nothing like being on a team. There's nothing like being in a locker room. There's nothing like being in an NFL huddle. Mm -hmm. If you've never been in the middle of the field, in an NFL huddle, that you're so close that you know what each other had for a pregame meal. That's brotherhood, man. There's nothing like that. But the game is going away from that. I understand the safety points. Mm-hmm. I get it. But sooner or later, you're going to make the game so plastic mm-hmm. that it's that it's going to, to lose the true sportsman. The true person that really loves the game. Now you're making dinosaurs, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. out of guys like Cordell Patterson. Yeah, Devin Hester, Winne wu who's got three in this first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's going to be different. I hate the Fair catch rule mm-hmm. uh, on kickoffs um here's a can i be transparent can i be yeah of course always the things that really tick me off about some of these competition committees Mm -hmm. whenever they want to shift the game they pick on special teams they they move the kickoff back they move Mm -hmm. the goalposts back you know you can't do this you can't do that it's it's all it's easy to pick on special teams Mm -hmm. okay if you're going to do something. Hell, I don't know what you're gonna do, but just leave the kickers and punters alone.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, because in games, I remember like the 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 I forgot what we called it, but it's like a almost like a pooch kickoff where you try to like get it inside the one. Yep. So that they have to return it. Yep. And they can't just down it. And then if yep. they make a mistake and don't catch it, it might bounce out at the one. So they kind of have to like, you know, it's it's 50-50 chance. If you let it drop and it goes to the end zone, great. But if that thing takes a weird bounce, because the kicker has put it, you know, on the tee a little bit different and try to kick it to the five or the ten and kick it high, like that's a lot of the strategy that they're trying to take it's out skilled, the game. Man. You're right, yeah.
0: It's skill. They are taking the skill away from punters and kickers who have worked their entire lives to 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 find an advantage. You know, I had this this flutter kick. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Ray Guy hit it high and long. Reggie Roby hit it high and long. Well, I had a flutter kick that I that. It depend on my drop. I would get it up, and it would float, and it would turn to the side, and it would float. Wouldn't get a whole lot of height, but mm. it would just hang in the air, and then it would take that bounce to the right and bounce out of bounds. You know, they, they just always screwing with the punters and kickers, man. So let's talk about somebody else before I say a bad word. <laughs> <can> back.
1: <laughs> well, last one before we get out of here, man. Uh, culture is the big word now around football. Deion sanders just came out and said culture i don't need a culture i'm a winner we're gonna win and that's my culture i don't know if that's sustainable long term but when his son's at quarterback and uh his his nephews at cornerback or sorry his son's at quarterback his other son's at safety his other nephews at, at nickel he's got his whole family basically you know his daughter which i love like I'm yeah. all for it. If you can get your family and put them on, and they're actually good. I mean, let's be yeah. real. His, his one son yeah. was at South Carolina. His right. other nephew was at Alabama. So these ain't like Rudy Pool family members. These is like the best of the best that didn't want to go to Jackson State. But now they're like, hey, okay, Colorado. Like, let's go to Colorado, man. We power yeah. five now. We about to be yeah, on yeah. TV. We going to the SEC. Um, so when you look at Colorado, and that's Dion's comments, and then you go to P.J. Fleck. Of course, I got the or behind me. His culture is family. Forget about me. I love you. Then you look at some other programs like Nick Saban. That's like, look, it's my way or the highway, but it works for him because he's winning national championships. When you see Kevin O'Connell come in and he's building this culture of like, you know, kind of like Tony Dungy. It's family, it's laid back, it's relaxed, you got people. But Tony Dungy always had that, well, you only won one Super Bowl. You know, you couldn't really get over the hump after the, you know, Peyton Manning did this. Do you think Kevin O'Connell can long-term, that can be the culture – in today's youth, because today's youth is all about this. It's all about you know access. I can tweet out my emotions. It's been, the minute you piss me off, I can jump on here and tell the world you made me mad. But do you think that's going to work for well one Dion, and then do you think it's going to continue to work for the Minnesota Vikings and Kevin O'Connell?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you you look at the shift that was made in the atmosphere last year when Kevin came in. he and Kwesi, mm-hmm. the first thing that they had to do was shift the culture. I was talking with some folks. Uh, one or two confidants that I shared that I was going to retire prior mm-hmm. to the change in the new coach said, Greg, hang around. There's going to be a new culture. There's going to be a new coach. There's going to be a new. I, I didn't want my decision to be based on who's going to be in those seats of leadership because mm-hmm. I knew whoever it was had to shift the culture, had to shift the atmosphere. And Kevin has come in. Uh, he's he's almost like a Pied Piper. And if you listen to him long enough, you'll believe him. Uh, It reminds me of Sam Ritigliano when he came into Cleveland many, many years ago um, after Art Mordell fired Forrest Gregg. He came in with a shift of culture and and it was in your face. But it was it was man. I love you. Together. We can do so many remarkable things. And if you believe. The words that are coming out of his mouth. Man, belief is so powerful. Uh, Words are so powerful. So, yes, I do believe that Kevin has shifted this culture and can continue because he showed what happened. If you adjust, adapt, and execute mm-hmm. a different game plan, they were what, 13 and five last year? Yep, 13 um, and four.
1: Yep. Um, well, yeah five. Four. Yep, yeah, five. They lost the playoff so, game. Yep, five. They lost the playoff So,
0: So, the proof is in the pudding. What Dion is selling, as long as his players buy it, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. True. What Tony Dungy was selling back in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, his teams bought it. True. So it depends on who the salesman is. Mm-hmm. And it depends on who the coach is. If guys can see truthfulness, and if they can trust and respect that coach, sky's the limit in the yeah. same way for this Minnesota Viking team. But I will say this, you can have a great culture all you want. I know – Horse owners had a great culture, but they never won the Kentucky Derby. You cannot win the Kentucky Derby with Shetland ponies. You got to <laughs> have quarter horses. You got to have guys who can, you know, understand who can who can split the helmet of a of a running back, a wide receiver, an offensive line. You got to have talent. You don't win in this league without talent. Uh, I look forward to the Minnesota Vikings having another successful year. Uh, I do believe that they will miss Dalvin Cook. I understand the business side of that. I thought Cookie was the straw that stirred that offensive drink. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins, tremendous quarterback, good numbers. J.J., all world. But again, it takes all 53. And if all 53, like P.J. talked about, that ore that you've got, that every ore in the water is rowing in the same direction – that's all culture is, Ron.
1: Yeah. Well, if people want to know more about the Greg Coleman golf event, just go, you can one, Google Greg Coleman golf event. It pops up on the YMCA uh, website, but you can go to YMCA and you can see the Greg Coleman celebrity golf tournament Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. You can still go on there. If you want to donate, if you want to check out the live auctions, cause I know there's going to be some live auction items as well. Uh, but there's a beautiful picture of Greg and Eleanor on the website. There's TSR injury law with Greg Coleman. There's all the volunteers. There's autographs and th- at the bottom, There's a link for auction. You click that, it's going to take you to all the items. So as they get closer to the event, they will have the auction items go live. It's not live right now because they don't want people to get ahead of us who actually are going to show up in golf. But please go to this. And also, if you ever want to golf in the event, you can also go in here and get more information. But the 2023 auction will be available as soon as the tournament kicks off when that first person signs up. That auction's gonna open up. So you're gonna want to see that. I mean, Greg knows everybody, so you know there's gonna be some pictures, some autograph stuff, maybe Muhammad Ali gloves. I don't know. There's always no. some great
0: items. Here's 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 one that I gotta tell you about. Okay. There are only 12 of these in the entire world. We talked about Bud Grant, my mm-hmm. former coach. There is an autograph jersey and photographs of Bud with hints with his signature. It's already framed. It looks incredible. I may even bid on it myself. So that's going to be one uh, that's going to be on the live auction as
1: well. All right. Make sure you guys check that out. Like I said, this will air tomorrow. So as you're hearing it now, it's probably 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Golf tournament is going to kick off at around 11 a.m. So that auction is going to go throughout the tournament, people. So you have all day to jump on there if you want to get some Vikings memorabilia, because I know you guys have those man caves down there. Please just go to ymcanorth.org. Also, remember, people, SiriusXM is a proud partner of Locked On Sports Minnesota. The Minnesota Twins are playing my Detroit Tigers tomorrow 640. If you want to catch every pitch tonight, Tuesday, every pitch, the Twins, Tigers, just go to the SXM app, and you can just search Minnesota Twins by joining the SiriusXM app. Also, you can get Locked On Sports Minnesota on there as well. Well, we got the Daily Three coming up next. That's three questions going take about a minute each because we spent a lot of time with Greg today. We'll be back after this. Well, I don't know about you, Sam, but I love those stories from Greg Coleman and Bud Grant. Like, it's, it's one of those things that reminds me of uh, just how historic the Minnesota Vikings program is. And then also, like I said, the community stuff that Greg and Chad Greenway and guys in this town do. Feels like Minnesota is always going to be Minnesota nice off the field as well. Uh, on the field, hope they get a little mean. But it's time for the Daily Three. Three questions. You take about 30 seconds each because Greg Coleman, we had to spend some time with him today. Um, So take it away, Sam.
2: All right. Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com. He put together his top 50 free agents for next free agency period in 2024. Mm -hmm. There are three Vikings on the list, and you might be able to name them. Neal Hunter, Mm -hmm. TJ Hawkinson, Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Maybe Hawkinson signs that extension. We don't know, but he is on the list. Of those three, Ron, which one do you think is highest in the top fifty? Hawkinson, Cousins, or Hunter? Highest on the list? Highest on the list. So, in order of best free agents for next next off season. Uh oh, I'm gonna say Kirk Cousins. It is Deniel. Oh. Deniel is number five on the list. Number wow. five. Kirk Cousins is number ten. TJ Hawkinson is number thirty-seven. What do you think of those rankings?
1: I like the rankings as this was going to happen because they kind of know where they stand now because this stuff comes – I mean, this – one, we need content. This stuff comes out for a reason. But the mm-hmm. fact that TJ knows he's 33, I feel like he's more likely to sign with the Vikings and re-sign like during the season at some point maybe or get an extension. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Kirk Cousins is then next because of like who else needs a quarterback. Now, maybe the Cardinals. I mean, you could look at something. Pew, pew. I don't know if he wants to go play for that coach. Um, <laughs> Pure, pure explosive, explosive explosive. You're fast. You're fast. Like what? You're fired. Like I saw that. If I was the owner and I saw that, I'd be like, all right, let's start over again. Who else is out here? Um, but if you, if you think about Kirk cousins, I think he would be next. And then I think of value because Daniel Hunter knows I'm one of the top five free agents for 2024. I got to get paid, baby. I got to get paid. So I think Daniel would be the least likely to resign um Mm -hmm. unless the vikings backed up the brings truck which they can't because they have to go get um justin jefferson so yeah i I think daniel hunter i I would see him going to a 4-3 team in his next contract his next stop will he be looking for a 4-3 opportunity because i don't think he's a true uh three four outside Mm -hmm. linebacker
2: all right friend of the show go for safety tyler newbin he is on the preseason Chuck Badneric watch list that is awarded to the best defensive player in college football. It's obviously a big task to win that award, but Tyler mm-hmm. Newbin is in the mix. What do you expect from Tyler Newbin this year? And do you think he could put up defensive player of the year type numbers?
1: <sighs> Whew. So this is what I say. I'd say the program now has reached a level of which people are paying attention. You see the number of guys that have gone to the NFL. You see the Antoine Winfields in the NFL succeeding. You see the Tanner Morgans uh, with the Steelers taking pictures with the um, uh, guy who came on our show. I'm drawing, drawing a blank. Keith, Cole Keith. Um, yeah. So you think about all these guys out there right now. You see Boye Mafé and Aceze Itame who changed jerseys at the Seahawks-Vikings game. Minnesota has elevated because now these GMs and people are seeing this. These voters are seeing this. Tyler Newman's built like a Greek God. He has the speed and the ability to make catches in the in the, in the uh, back of the end zone, you know, back across the field. You see him at practice recently, literally ball hawking, go all the way across the field and steal the ball. So, yes, I think he could be. I think, you know, what we'll see is you'll see him up for the top DB award. Mm-hmm. You'll see him up for the top defensive player award. I don't know if he can win both because I know sometimes, you know, they, they try to figure that out. Like, well, he wins the best DB, then this guy should win the defense player. If he wins the defense player, then let's have this guy win the DB, which doesn't make sense. But I know it's happened before. Um, but yeah, I can see Tyler Newman up there making those plays. Because when, when you look at the way this team is built, he's going to be now a true leader captain back there. He's going to be the guy. He could have went to the NFL this year. Um, but, you know, his grade probably wasn't high enough to feel like, well, I got another year. Might as well come back and try to be a first rounder, which I think he will now. Like if he has a decent year after everybody seen Antoine Winfield, knowing what Tyler Newbin's size is, like he's he's like a J-Ron curse, but he he has a better ceiling right now. And that's where I think people are seeing that. The size, the big nickel ability for him to come in the box and make tackles, like he's built, strong. So yeah, I could see him make another plays to win that. All
2: right, last one. Uh Ron. You'll be shocked about this, but I I I have, I have seen the blind side. Oh, have you seen, have you seen the blind side? Of course. All right. You've seen the blind side. We both have seen the blind times. I'm a
1: Sandra Bullock fan. So of course
2: me too. I like Sandra (laughs) miss congeniality.
1: Exactly. Uh, That was, that was the first movie I think. Well, speed. So I saw speed. Did you see speed? No. See, there you go. I've seen the proposal. (laughs) Okay. With uh, what's his name? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I like that one too. I was
2: confusing with Gosling. Um, (laughs) All right, so Michael Orr, subject of the Blindside movie, heartwarming film, Mm -hmm. he's alleging that the Tui family Mm -hmm. tricked him into a conservatorship, not an adoption. They Mm -hmm. never adopted him, apparently. They just signed him, like the Britney Spears situation, they signed Mm -hmm. him to a conservatorship for financial gain, made millions off the movie, or didn't make a dime. How stunning is this allegation to you? Not stunning at
1: all. Uh, Money is the root of all evil. Um people historically have done this to those lesser than. Uh at that moment, he was lesser than. He didn't know what he was doing. Um, they did take care of him. Um, but at the same time, people, if he was 5'10, 125 pounds, I don't think anybody would have been trying to get him in that school. I don't think anybody would have cared about where he lives. Um, you know, the 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 dad that was the janitor at that school, I think is kind of how they told the story. Like his son, that was his friend um and they played basketball together because we saw you know he was a basketball player too uh but other than that that was it you know kind of had that Le- and i know you haven't seen shooting stars with lebron james uh but that was a similar type of situation where the dad was the coach and his son was on the team and the lebron's friends were just all friends with him and then of course lebron started to grow grow and grow and grow even though they all stayed together but lebron became the guy it started off as the coach's son was the guy because he could shoot he was really good and he was good but lebron getting the six eight was just like whoa this is the best guy in the country um michael or similar like if he was just a little 510 guy out there just shooting baskets with a, with the coach's friend they might have got him in there but i don't think they would have even thought about like getting all that like when you see a guy six whatever he was six six 280 pounds or whatever he was like 300 pounds in high school yeah like you you do see an opportunity like this guy could be really good and then you get him on the field because if you think about the way the movie was portrayed once they got him on the field is when they then said let's adopt him they didn't adopt him out the gate they adopted him after they saw how good he was going to be. And all the coaches started to show up. And then they bought him a truck and blah, blah. And so I think there's always truth in a lie. You know, there's always some truth in a lie. If you mm-hmm. see the lie, you got to find where the truth is. And so that movie, if it's a lie, there is some truth in there. The, the timeline probably happened the way it happened, but they probably had to make it seem a little bit better. Because you can't say, hey, we signed the convert. Cause, like, could you imagine Sandra Bullock? Like, hey, sign this piece of paper. And then later, like, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 of this. Or Netflix special of this. Yeah. Michael Orr is attacking now. So now the next step is for him to sit down with Netflix or, or ESPN or somebody and do this actual story uh, talking about that. Because I think the family each got $225,000 and the kids, Michael or nothing. So the fact that, that, that Hollywood even did that, like, Hey, you're selling us this kid's story, but we're not paying him fine. Like they worked out a $900,000 deal and Michael or didn't get any of it. Their kids got 225 and they did nothing. And then the two, uh, the husband and wife got 225. They -hmm. set their family up. They weren't worried about Michael or, and then when you think about, and because, I mean, he had already made it to the NFL. So maybe they were just like, Oh, he doesn't need the money. Are you lying? Are you kidding me? Anybody needs 225,000. Stop, stop doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then when you think about how that all played out, I could see that. Like he's a young kid. He doesn't know what he's signing. Uh, He didn't even know his birth, you know, stuff. He didn't have a birth certificate. His mom didn't know. Uh, so you know, there's truth in the lie. Some of that stuff probably is true. She probably did go down there to figure out, like, if she could, uh, like, you know, maybe she did go see if she could adopt him or not. But clearly, maybe they were like, well, here's the easiest way to do it real fast you can get a conservatorship, and now you guys are responsible for making decisions for him going to college and all that stuff. I think that's kind of how it happened. And maybe when they first signed the deal, they weren't even thinking about the money side of it, they were thinking about we're gonna be your uh, guardians in this situation to make sure you end up at the right college and you know, get all your stuff done. And get you a license because that was part of it too. We want to get you a license. That maybe some truth to it. So maybe he did sign that. Like, hey, sign this paper. We're gonna adopt you. Uh, We're gonna have control over everything you do. Not realizing the future benefit. I think. I don't think they started off malicious. I think eventually, when they saw the benefit of it, it became malicious. And that's that's where I think there's. I don't think it was right away. Like, oh, we can take advantage of this kid. I just think eventually they realized, like, oh wait, we own his rights still. Like this is our. He we're Mm -hmm. we're like we're over his estate. Let's do it. Let's do a movie. This kid has a lot to offer. So, yeah, I don't think it was initially that because I, I did find it weird. Like after he made it to the NFL, you stop seeing like pictures of him with the two and you stop seeing them like, you know, yeah. hang out with them. And, you know, there was no more pictures after the fact online. And because you, you would think they would be at like Ravens games and it would get blown up and. No, there was none of that. So I, I figured at that point something wasn't right, but I didn't even realize what it was. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, you? well, what's stupid is, is that I think they were already a wealthy family, right? Like they, it's not like they didn't have a dime and were trying right. to get rich quick. I think they were already rich. So to take advantage of someone in his situation just to get a little more money, that sucks. And then it sounds like, too, he was cut out of all, all say in this movie correct? from a production standpoint. And from the article, it, it sounds like this movie was actually damaging to his reputation because correct. he was perceived by teams as not intelligent or mm-hmm. raw, and, and that hurt his career or hurt the longevity of his career. I think it only lasted about seven years, Ron. I don't think he played that long uh, for a first-round pick. So that, that's unfortunate, too. He probably lost out on a lot of earnings, in the NFL because of that. And uh, it's just a a messy uh, situation. Hard to believe that it went on for what, 10 years, 10, 15 years without him realizing this sort of clerical, you know, conservatorship deal. But that's absolutely wild. I hope that it gets rectified.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, when you look at what they're saying and what they're doing and how it's going, um, that was the point. I think they wanted him to not have control of the movie because he probably would have told a little bit more truth. And they it would have Mm -hmm. been Hollywood ish. And so I think when they kind of started doing the movie, they're like, look, we got to change this for Hollywood. We got to make this look like this. We got to change this to look like this. How can we make this exciting? How can we make this fun? Um, So I think there's some truth to a lot like there's some truth in there. But they also had to make it up for uh, Hollywood. And Mm -hmm. hey, it is what it is. It it, it sucks. And, uh, you know, hopefully he gets his because it looks like he's suing them for a lot. I mean, the movie did three hundred million dollars. So, and they got two and a half mm-hmm. percent of the proceeds. So, who knows what the actual gross proceeds were or the net proceeds were, or whatever they deemed the proceeds mm-hmm. were? Because I know Hollywood said we, you know, the it cost this and this was our, but because then, like, it was a big budget film. Like, it wasn't like they lose a bunch of studio, mm-hmm. like, they used a house in somebody's neighborhood. You know, they used a school. Yep. Um, they used a football field. Like, that was really it. It wasn't a ton of like, you know, they used a car and they drove down the street. Like, if you think about the scenes. And it was a couple houses in in the, in the projects. They didn't use a big time movie set and, and and pyrotechnics and Tom Cruise jumping off of a mountain with a motorcycle. Like they didn't do all that. So I, I think that was, I I guarantee I, I might have to look that up what the budget was. It I, was I just
2: looked it up. It was it grossed three hundred nine million on a twenty nine million dollar budget. Exactly. So my math Told says you.
1: that's two hundred eighty million profit. Told you. It was not, it was very cheap. Whereas Tom Cruise's movie, I think the budget was like a hundred million dollars. And it's I mean, it's expected to do billions for Mission Impossible, like uh, not billion, sorry, a billion. Uh, but yeah, hundred million dollar, like a hundred million dollar, like all that stuff, the pyrotechnics and the CGI, you know there was no CGI, there was no like boom, 29 million dollars. That's just crew, couple houses, couple cars. Uh, Because they had to crash a car, so you know that that was probably part of it. How do we crash this car, these two cars? And you know, they got Ford, got got a probably was a sponsor because how how Ford tough that thing was. And (laughs) man, if it was any other car, he wouldn't have made it. Like, you know, Ford's like, hey, throw us in there, F 150, we'll do it. Like, that's that's where I'm thinking, like, there it wasn't a ton of money put into this film and they made like you said 280 million dollars who knows what else was in that like paying the crew paying some other people but let's just call it 200 million dollars 80 million dollars went to everybody else 200 million dollars profit they end up let's say of that 200 million they end up getting their 2.5% for their family and Michael Orr saw none of that and that's that's where I think um, that's the problem is that you uh, 5 million dollars 5 million dollars is 2.5% of that 200 million let's just call it that but it might be even more than that i i'm, I'm mm-hmm. being generous saying 200 million it might be more than that and sandra bullock won an uh what an oscar an emmy or something for that too so yeah yeah, they owe Mike Orr some money, and so we'll see what happens. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam X. I want to thank you guys for joining. Uh, Thanks for those that download on YouTube. Thanks for those that have watched us on Amazon, Fire, and Roku. Please go to your apps if you haven't and search Locked On Sports Minnesota. SXM radio app. We are very appreciative. Please make sure you search Locked On Sports Minnesota on the XM radio app as well, and then wherever you get your podcast. And remember, as these games go on, every Monday now we're going to break down the game. So there's a game Saturday. It's the Tennessee Titans. There's another game Saturday. The next Saturday, versus Arizona Cardinals. We will break that down. And we're going to do some State Fair stuff. I think one of these roundtables, we're going to do some State Fair talk, food, whatever. We have Top to. Five food of the State Fair. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Because the Minnesota State Fair, I've heard, because I've been to Iowa's. I've been to Michigan's. I heard Minnesota's is the best in the world. Um, so we'll have to make sure we let you guys know about that. Maybe I'll get some footage, too, to give to Sam because we have the PJ Flex show coming up down there. So maybe I'll get some behind the scenes footage of the State Fair, the PJ Flex show. Get Sam to, to post that on uh, in the middle of one of our episodes, like a two minute cut in for you guys to see uh, me shooting it at the State Fair. But again, I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Maxerman. Thank you guys and have a great day.